Welcome to SIFMA's podcast from our annual State of the Industry Media Briefing. In this segment, our leadership discusses the state of the capital markets and priority issues for the financial services industry in 2018. Please welcome the Chair of our Board of Directors, Lisa Kidd-Hunt, Executive Vice President, Business Initiatives for Charles Schwab, and SIFMA's President and CEO, Ken Benson. I'm excited to share the stage today with Ken and to talk about the industry. Uh, it's a great, exciting time for us and a wonderful time to be an investor, really. Uh, we've seen incredible market performance. In fact, market's up 32% uh, since Q3 of last year. Uh, we have a lot of optimism coming from our CEOs in financial services looking forward to 2018. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of momentum, and we're very close, I think, to tax reform, and there's been some real movement on regulatory reform. It's a wonderful time to be in this business, an exciting time for our clients as investors. Um, <clears throat> we really do have the best capital market system in the world. Uh, we are so fortunate to be in this wonderful country where anybody can come up with a great idea, and thanks to capital markets and our financial services system, can really get investors, turn that dream into a meaningful uh, empire, uh, providing jobs and economic growth for not only themselves but many people. Uh, to me, that's really inspiring. It's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this business and why it's so exciting to be in it at this, at this time. As an industry, we continue to be very client-focused. We bend, we yield to what our clients are looking for us to do. They push us to do and, and really want us to do to serve them. It has never been a better time to serve those clients and for them to be investors. Advice has never been more accessible. Fees have never been more, um, have never been lower and more transparent. And the choice and the options that clients have and how they want to do business, where they want to do business and with who have never been greater. The pace of innovation is incredibly strong and fast. It's creating a lot of change uh, and a lot of potential risk for us as an industry, too, to be able to be mindful for. Clients are expecting more and more from us every day. Uh, I often say someone's last great experience becomes their expectation for every experience they have. They want the same type of ease of doing business that they have with ordering an Uber cab to take them home at night uh, to be able to make their investments. And as an industry, we need to lead and provide them with what they expect, transparency, access, and price. This is what the industry will stand for. Information has never been more prevalent or easier to get as well. Technology continues to play a more increasing and important role in our industry. It facilitates new opportunities for the type of engagement we want to provide with our clients. It's something they want, they expect from us, and we need to deliver it. Social media has never been more prevalent either. And as we saw just uh, last week, you know, news in social media can move markets very rapidly, whether it's fake news or real news. And it's something that we're grappling with as an industry as well. And we also know data has never been more prevalent and, frankly, never more important to our businesses as we work to serve our clients. But it's also never been more at risk. Our ability to capture data has never been easier, but our responsibility to protect that data has never been more important. And one of the top priorities for SIFMA in 2018 will be doing just that. We need to ensure as an industry that our clients' data is protected and safe at every turn. We can't th make things better for our clients. We can't make things easier for our clients if they're vulnerable. 
And as we continue to grow this digital economy, it has never been more apparent that the most important currency our clients have is their personal information. And as an industry, we have a responsibility and an obligation to protect it. We know what happens when there's a breach of trust. One quick breach, one small infraction removes months and years of trust deposits into the banks that we build with our clients. We're working together as an industry so that our clients' data is protected, and we're very close to finalizing four principles that as an industry we will use as standards to protect our clients' data. These principles should apply equally to all of our members and others in FinTech when it comes to data aggregation. Those four principles are around access, security and responsibility, transparency and permission, and a clear scope of use and access. Also, also very important to our ability to serve our clients is a best interest standard for retail investors. SIFMA's member firms have long advocated for the creation of a best interest standard, one that protects our clients of all shapes, all sizes, and all amounts of money to invest and preserves client choice. We are hoping that the DOL and the SEC will work together to get this right. And we feel fortunate that the recent delay allows the time for the SEC with, to work with the DOL to get this right and fix it for our clients, uh, especially with respect to the existing rule. And as we head into 2018, we are looking to the SEC to take the lead on this broad principles-based best interest standard that is focused on the investor and the investor portfolio and not a rule written around specific account types, something that preserves client choice, and doesn't create confusion or, or result in the elimination of products, solutions, or services, which we've already begun to see as people have begun to implement the existing rule as it is today. We also remain very concerned that the current rule will not accomplish the goals that we're looking forward to, and we expect to see a lot of progress in the next 18 months. We also are working very hard to protect our senior investors those investors that might be most vulnerable to fraud or bad or fraudulent actors. Protecting the exploitation of our senior investors is one of the other top priorities for SIFMA and something that we have been very active in and will continue under my tenure. We continue to push for updated laws and regulations, and we've worked extensively with FINRA on a lot of the programs and policies that are already in place and are being implemented and will go into effect in February of this year. We support the Senior Safe Act and the Elder Abuse Protection and Prevention Act. These initiatives, paired with collaboration in the industry and beyond, really going to tackle what we believe is a systemic problem with elder abuse. And also, as we look at our aging Americans and our aging clients, put us in the best position that we can to protect their investments. These are just a few of the client-focused tenants that we have for SIFMA in 2018, and I'll turn it over to Ken to maybe share a few others. Great. Thank you, Lisa, and, and uh, thank, uh, I want to thank uh, uh, the folks from Charles Schwab for hosting us uh, today for this, uh, for this briefing. Uh, I thought I'd hit a few uh, uh, statistical points and then, um, and then make a few comments uh, complimentary to Lisa's comments with respect to um, some of the key uh, initiatives we have, uh, both year in review and, and looking forward. Uh, I, I do want to commend to you uh, uh, last week uh, um, uh, SIFMA released its uh, 
semiannual uh, second of semiannual uh, economic survey uh, and for it, looking uh, of our economic advisory roundtable, looking for the full year of 2017 and into 2018. Uh, and I would encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, the the roundtable uh, uh, estimated that the economy will grow at a 2.3 percent in 2017, up from 2.1 at the mid-year report, strengthening to 2.5 percent in 2018, up from the 2.3 percent at the mid-year uh, survey. Continue to expect to see em- uh, employment uh, growing with the unemployment rate dropping to 4% at, uh, by the end of 2018. Uh, in terms of inflation, uh, the, uh, the, the roundtable continues to see inflation relatively flat uh, year over year, um, uh, uh, weakened slightly to 1.7 from the mid-year report uh, from 1.8 and staying and, and, and assuming at 1.8 through the, through the next year. Uh, in terms of monetary policy, they, continue, they, you know, they, they expect the Fed to continue its tightening through the end of this year uh, with further moves to uh, two or three moves to tighten uh, in the next year. Uh, they also are looking at the 10-year, uh, 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 getting to, to uh, uh, 2.45 uh, at the end of, of December and uh, are estimating a jump to 2.8 uh, at the end, end of um, uh, 2018. In terms of risk to growth, uh, uh, they, they see uh, fiscal policy as the most important factor uh, impacting U.S. growth, uh, followed by Fed actions. Uh, with upside risk, uh, uh, things such as tax reform, stim- fiscal stimulus, and inflation, and downside being uh, uh, a global slowdown, uh, geopolitical shocks, uh, or uh, any sort of market correction. Uh, in terms of industry data, which again we have, uh, which we release on a quarterly basis and is our uh, year in review, uh, uh, we did see uh, total issuance up 11.8% year over year in the fixed income space, uh, uh, with most of the growth occurring in the in the mortgage and muni markets. Uh, U.S. Treasury and corporates were up only slightly at 2.2 and 2.4% year over year, and some of that is based upon what members report to us of structural issues uh, impacting uh, uh, different segments within those. In those market sectors. Uh, uh, While equity capitalization, Lisa talked a little bit about this with the markets, equity capitalization is up. Uh, We do still see equity issuance being down. Uh, In particular, uh, uh, when you look at historical trends on equity issuance uh, in the U.S., um, uh, we continue to lag behind the pre-crisis level of of new equity issuance, and we also uh, uh, continue to lag, particularly lag uh, as well in small cap uh, equity issuance. And then I think an interesting note is if you look at um, new equity issues in the U.S. compared to the rest of the world, uh, you know, in, in this past year, I believe uh, new U.S. the U.S. Uh, uh, had about a 14% share of new equity issuance uh, compared to the 90s when we would have about a 60% share. So that's something that we think is concerning. Uh, we're encouraged by uh, uh, Chairman uh, SEC Chairman Clayton's focus on uh, the public ca- public capital markets and something that we think uh, uh, should get good attention. In terms of, uh, of looking at the U.S. financial system as a whole, uh, you know, today we see CCAR banks uh, uh, holding, uh, you know, five and a half percent or five hundred fifty percent, five hundred fifty basis points above the seven percent uh, common tier one equity requirement, uh, and GSIB banks holding four hundred basis points above the international SLR, uh, in part due to the gold plate, largely due to the gold plating uh, in the U.S. Uh, what we what we take from all that is that we see. Uh, 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 
banks uh, holding a, not only being safe and sound and having a tremendously stronger capital position and balance sheet liquidity position than they did uh, at the time of the crisis or pre-crisis, but we also see a lot of capital and, and, and liquidity trapped on bank balance sheet, uh, which we think uh, has, has uh, the potential for uh, negative long-term implications uh, for the economy. Looking at, at, at sort of in a year in review and then looking forward, um, uh, I'll start with the Treasury review of the uh, U.S. regulatory framework. Uh, we thought that, was, that has been a very positive exercise uh, for the U.S. And, and, and for U.S. markets. Uh, we think that the reports are quite well done, in my own view, really down the middle of the road, looking at where uh, we can improve the regulatory framework that we have today, where there might need to be recalibration uh, in in. In, in many sectors, whether it's the you know, bank, capital and liquidity, and various capital market areas. And so we're quite encouraged by that. Uh, we're encouraged with the efforts undertaken by the uh, CFTC and their Keep It Simple Stupid KISS uh, uh, initiative, uh, and, and as well as the uh, uh, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency's uh, request for information on recalibrating or, or reforming uh, the Volcker Rule. Um, we're very pleased to be one of the leaders this year in the, uh, in, in the shortened settlement cycle. Uh, SIFMA, along with the Investment Company Institute and DTCC, led that effort uh, to shorten the settlement cycle for, uh, uh, from uh, three days to two days. Uh, this is something we work closely with our regulators. I think we, I think we at the end, were able to get uh, approximately two dozen rules uh, moved through the various regulators and SROs uh, to accomplish this, and, and the and the and the uh, um, the shift went off pretty much without a hitch. So we're very pleased by that. In the cyber resiliency space, uh, we completed our fourth biennial Quantum Dawn exercise. These are industry-wide exercise with uh, 900 participants, about 60 different institutions, along with numerous of our regulators. Uh, and this is part of our continued efforts in the uh, in the cyber resiliency space. I'd also commend to you the work that the industry is doing. SIFMA is one of the founders of work on Sheltered Harbor, uh, which is, again, another resiliency effort uh, to uh, provide uh, not only to provide the ability to recover from a major cyber attack in the retail brokerage and demand deposit uh, sector. And this is just complementary to a lot of work that we're doing with our government partners through things like the Hamilton Exercises and others. I will note that well, I'll get into some other cyber issues later. Um, uh, we were pleased in the MIFID II space as our colleagues in uh, Europe uh, and, frankly, all of us around the world are, are getting ready for the January 3rd launch date of MIFID II. Uh, we've spent a lot of time working with our regulators on getting uh, accommodation uh, for uh, research uh, at, uh, ATS, uh, in, 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 as well as ATS in the U.S., where uh, there were some uh, where, where U.S. law and EU law didn't necessarily match up, and so we we feel pretty positive about that. Lisa mentioned the the 18 month delay of uh, a number of the prohibitive transaction exemptions in the Department of Labor's uh, best interest standard rule. Uh, we think that's a positive development, along with the uh, enhanced engagement between the uh, SEC and the Department of Labor. And as Lisa mentioned, we strong we are strongly encouraging the SEC to take the lead here, uh, as we have for really about 10 years now. Um, senior investor, again, we felt good about the progress that's been made uh, uh, across the industry in the retail space in terms of best practices, uh, as well as with our with state regulators and, 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 and federal regulators. We have some legislative efforts now. They're moving that direction. Uh, and then 
Lastly, looking back, I would mention uh, uh, the uh, the completion last week uh, at, at the Basel Committee of, of Basel III, uh, we think is a positive development, uh, first and foremost, to settle things out uh, with a tremendous amount of new rules and capital requirements that have come out. We're obviously going through uh, the document now to see what the impact is, but uh, the impression we get from the Basel Committee is that they are now done uh, in terms of new uh, uh, new initiatives. Uh, this gives the industry lead time across the globe to work towards implementation. Importantly, uh, the Basel Committee is looking to do a further consultation on the fundamental review of the trading book, which uh, SIFMA has strongly encouraged uh, because we think the initial uh, 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 proposal is 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 not uh, workable. Likewise, with the net stable funding ratio. So we view this as a as a positive development. Uh, in many respects. Uh, just quickly looking forward, uh, Lisa mentioned tax reform. Uh, we're in the throes of that right now. Um, the, uh, 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 you know, the, the assumption is that the, uh, that the conference committee will complete their work uh, uh, by the end of this week or over the weekend, and, and you'll see uh, a conference report on the floor of the House and Senate uh, sometime next week. Uh, we feel, uh, uh, I feel quite confident there will be a tax bill. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do on it. Uh, in particular, from a SIFMA perspective, we've been very interested in the international tax reform. Uh, that's something that's been talked about for many, many years through multiple administrations to get the U.S. more in line with other industrialized countries with respect to uh, uh, a territorial system as opposed to the deferral system that we've had. Uh, the corporate rate uh, is something, again, where the U.S. corporate uh, tax structure has been out of whack with the rest of the uh, industrial sector. Um, but, of course, tax reform is difficult, and there are a number of issues that we're focused on. Again, how the international is dealt with, issues around base erosion uh, that reflects, again, how financial services, global financial services firms work. Uh, issues around the repatriation structure, the need to preserve things like an active financing exemption, um, the treatment of, of interest expense deductibility because financial services firms, in some cases, if they have a bank, they do get interest income, but in other cases, they, they may not have interest income. But again, we think that's moving in the, in, in the right direction. In the municipal space, we are concerned uh, with the proposals uh, that would uh, eliminate the ability for uh, nonprofits to issue private activity bonds bonds or states and cities that use private activity bonds and also the advanced refunding. Uh, we're encouraged where the Senate's been heading, at least with respect to private activity bonds. We think this fits also right within the infrastructure space because if you think about it, hospitals, universities, uh, special facility bonds for airport infrastructure and the like fit right in the, uh, in, in, into the space of infrastructure development. So we're, we're hopeful that Congress will find their way uh, on that. And then lastly, I just mentioned, among other things, uh, the, the whole FIFO debate, the first in, first out issue, which we think is uh, you know, really the first time uh, in, in sort of the history of the U.S. tax structure, the idea to sort of forcibly uh, tell individual investors which, uh, which security they can sell or grant versus the other. Uh, and and uh, we think a lot of the press that's been out on this has been uh, well done in explaining what the impact will be on individual investors. And we're hopeful that, uh, that uh, the conference committee will see their way to uh, taking that uh, section out. Just very quickly on, on, uh, on regulatory regulation, um, I mentioned the Treasury report. Uh, we're eager to see where 
the administration goes on that. Uh, you know, we think that there are efforts. We think there should be efforts with respect to the U.S. Uh, uh, recalibrating the the uh, uh, the uh, uh, supplemental leverage ratio, particularly the gold plating in the U.S. Taking a look at the living wills uh, and CCAR structure, uh, Volcker, which I mentioned, and we're encouraged by the supervisory initiative under the uh, the whole supervision initiative with respect to boards that the Fed has been undertaken. I mentioned the KISS, uh, CFTC KISS, but we also know that Chairman Giancarlo has talked about looking at refinements to some of the Title VII rules around made available to trade, data reporting, swap execution facilities, and we still have lagging out there uh, many, a number of parts around the whole cross-border uh, uh, regime uh, uh, in the swap space, which is very important. Uh, likewise, the FCC still has some of its Dodd-Frank rules to finalize. We're focused on that. Uh, as Lisa mentioned, obviously, the DOL uh, as I did, uh, that continues to be a major initiative, and we're encouraged by the dialogue back and forth. We are hopeful that the SEC is going to put out a proposal for a best interest standard, which we have long supported uh, for brokers, and that this can be worked in a way that uh, we end up not with multiple rules, uh, but, but really a more uh, streamlined approach, but at the end of the day, that protects, in, protects investors and protects investors' choice. Uh, we expect to see changes in the FSOC designation process for non-banks. Uh, and, uh, and, and lastly, uh, last couple of things I'd mention, um, uh, uh, you know, we expect uh, continued discussion around treasury market structure among the official sector, uh, possibly some discussion around equity market structure and a look at Reg NMS, which we would encourage uh, uh, the SEC to do. I mentioned uh, Chairman uh, Clayton's talk, uh, efforts around capital formation, which we support. And then just uh, a few other things. Um, uh, we're focused on the consolidated audit trail um, and how that process continues. Uh, while we're supportive of the consolidated audit trail, we do not support, and nor do we see the reason to collect uh, uh, personal uh, identifying information as a component of that. Uh, we're, you know, we, we have we've, we've been talking to the SEC and the SROs, letting them know of our concerns uh, that that we don't want to create a uh, a target. Uh, unnecessarily uh, that would put uh, uh, our members' clients' uh, information at risk. And we, we think that uh, you can accomplish the goals of CAT uh, uh, without, without doing that. Um, I mentioned cyber. That continues to be a, an effort. I, two things I mentioned in cyber, in addition to what we've done, both domestically and internationally, uh, we're focused on better coordination among regulators, uh, we, in some cases in the U.S., you could have 11, 12 different regulators looking over the shoulder of one financial services company uh, in terms of their cyber resiliency, and we think we need to do a better job uh, of coordination among those different regulators because in almost every case, uh, cyber resiliency is done from the top of the house down across the different functions within the bank. And so we're talking to our regulators about that, as well as regulators globally. And then penetration testing, which is something that many firms do, and uh, several regulators, both in the U.S. and around the globe, have uh, also established pen testing uh, regimes, is trying to come with a more uniform approach that, again, doesn't, uh, doesn't in, in, inadvertently hand the keys to the castle uh, uh, out to the public that could be uh, detrimental to the uh, uh, to to the industry and the economy as a whole. We just re are releasing principles under our GFMA group uh, this week, uh, where we've been talking with our regulators around the globe of, of, of best practices in that area. Uh, two other things I mentioned in the international space: we're focused on uh, uh, where the European Union is going with its implementation of uh, of, of, of the IPU uh, and their bank recovery. 
uh, where we have concerns about the IPU structure, and we also have concerns about the bank recovery with respect to uh, uh, an extended moratoria on uh, financial contracts beyond the settle- you know the two-day settlement that we had in the U.S. Uh, we're focused on China. We're very encouraged by the recent announcement of, of lifting the equity caps in China to 51% and ultimately going to 100%. We think that's a very positive development, uh, not just for U.S. firms, but we think it's a positive development for the China, Chinese markets as, as they develop. Um, we're very following the NAFTA negotiations very closely. Those are important to the financial services, plus some of the updates that could come through that. Ultimately, uh, as we see Brexit through, what the impact will be on, on uh, U.S. markets from Brexit and an ultimate uh, trade negotiations between the U.S. and the EU and the U.S. and the U.K. And then lastly, just in emerging issues, and I'll stop at this point, uh, uh, Lisa mentioned data aggregation, uh, which is a priority, but the other that we're focused on is, is, uh, is LIBOR and uh, the development of uh, alternative reference rates, uh, the work that's being done through the Fed in the U.S., as well as uh, the work that's been spurred on by the, FCA, the U.K. FCA and, 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 and uh, other reference rates around the globe. So that will be an emerging issue we'll focus on for the year. A lot of other things happening, uh, but these are sort of top of mind. Thank you for listening to this episode from SIFMA's annual State of the Industry Media Briefing. For more on trends in the capital markets and SIFMA's priorities in 2018, visit www.sifma.org to download Through the Looking Glass, SIFMA's 2018 Outlook.